Much was asked of America's banking industry in 2020's challenging environment, and the big asks aren't going away in 2021. Our guest on this week's Banking Strategies podcast is a prominent name in the space. Tom Brown is CEO at Second Curve Capital and also editor-in-chief of Tom Brown's Banking Weekly Newsletter. He joins us to offer his early outlook for banks in the coming year. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. For the banking industry, 2020 was a classic fit for the old blessing slash curse, may you live in interesting times. So with many of last year's key influences carrying over into the new year, how interesting does 2021 stand to be? Helping us with an early take on that question is well-known bank analyst Tom Brown, CEO at Second Curve Capital and editor-in-chief of Tom Brown's Banking Weekly Newsletter. Tom, welcome back to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to work with the BAI. So Tom, it's a new year and there are so many unknowns and things in a state of flux. But first, let's look back at 2020 for a second. And what an unprecedented, weird, difficult, stressful, you know, pick your adjective, what a year it was for all of us. And that includes the banks. So in that environment, in that landscape, what stands out to you about 2020 for the industry? <laughs> what stands out is everything you said, but uh, really it was an incredible year of adjustment, I think. Adjustment to so many factors that we didn't anticipate at the beginning of the year. We didn't even think they were probably in the realm of possibility. Think about it. The industry uh, started on January 1 adopting a new accounting standard, CECL. Then it had to deal with the complete shutdown of the U.S. economy, which meant for banking organizations, everybody going to work from home. It meant that uh, branches, the lobbies were closed and all business had to be conducted through drive-through and eventually through appointments. We had borrowers who needed help because their businesses were shut down, so they needed loan payment deferrals and for uh, bearance programs. Then Congress, to help passed the PPP program, which meant many lenders, most banks, in fact, were not small business administration lenders, and they had to adjust to a whole new process. We had a sharp decline in interest rates, and then most banks adopted unusually tight expense control measures. So I think the industry did an incredible job uh, adjusting to the environment that 2020 presented to them. So kind of a stroll down a pothole memory lane for that one. But this week is kind of where the past starts to catch up to the present. Earnings season for the financials is just starting. It's too early to ask yet about any trends you're seeing in the numbers, but it's not too early to ask what you're expecting to see and expecting to hear when the banks do report their earnings. So how do you see the December quarter shaping up? And also what results are you expecting to see for the full year of 2020? The fourth quarter of any year is unusual in the sense that it's a kitchen sink quarter. You throw in things, particularly expenses or credit-related expenses, 
that you might not normally expect because that's looking back to last year and investors like me only care about 2021 and looking forward. So what I expect to see is a bunch of numbers that we didn't anticipate, meaning bottom line numbers, because whether it's provision expense being higher than expected or it being operating expenses being higher than expected, that would be the bias when we see the the fourth quarter results. Overall, though, I think the surprise may be in the fourth quarter of 2020, but certainly in 2021, will be how low the loan loss provisions are relative to Wall Street's expectations. I think the analysts in general have not done a good job of adjusting to the new Cecil environment and are much too pessimistic on loan loss provisions. I feel very confident of that for 2021, uh, less confident saying that provisions will be lower than expected in the fourth quarter because companies have every incentive to just keep building their loan loss reserves in the 2020 results so that they can have an even better 2021 result. So let's look ahead to what you care about, and that's the current quarter and the current year. How are you thinking about those time periods in terms of the operating environment and the profitability outlook? Maybe start with the first quarter and then broaden it out to the full year. It's best to think of the year as getting exponentially stronger, right? So you, you're going to start out the first quarter with weak loan demand, margin pressure, PPP loan forgiveness, and it's a seasonally weak quarter. And uh, then I expect the economy, because of the recovery that we're already in, plus the fiscal stimulus that has been passed, the economy to pick up. As the economy picks up, as the vaccines become more widespread, the economy will gather even more steam, and then loan demand will improve. The yield curve will probably steepen further. So net interest income, which is about 75% of the revenues for most banks, the net interest income environment is going to improve exponentially throughout 2021. So I'm really thinking the year gets off to a slow start, but uh, builds momentum quickly and ends on a very uh, strong note. What do you see as the top two or three biggest challenges, big issues the banks will have to contend with in 2021 that stand to influence their performance this year? And by performance, I mean both their P&L results and also how they perform in terms of serving their customers. The challenge in 2021 is going to be a challenge that we've seen before, which is particularly at the beginning of the year, holding down expenses while continuing to improve the customer experience. I think that when we have this discussion a year from now, when we say, what did the banks do right in 2021? That one of the things we'll be talking about is that they increased the level of personalization, which has been lacking in the banking industry. And and by that, I mean that the banks know so much about their individual customers and, and they haven't used it to customize their offerings. And I think we will see tremendous improvement in that in 2020, despite the fact 
that they have to hold back overall expense growth. And that's the biggest challenge is where do we spend the money because we don't have a lot of money to spend. We talked about COVID a little bit earlier. What do you think are the biggest lessons from the COVID experience that banks will carry forward into the next year and beyond? Well, that's a good question because it's a question that I ask of all the CEOs that I dealt with really from April on, which is how is your COVID experience going to change how the company operates going forward? There were really two different answers. One was the obvious, which is, well, we have to re-examine where our employees are going to work physically, and that's an issue that hasn't been resolved. But the second one was more important, more longer lasting, which is that they all realize they can make decisions a lot faster and implement those changes as a result of those decisions a lot faster. Now, whether that you know can continue, we'll find out. The best example of that is adopting digital signatures. And some companies studied it for two years. And all of a sudden, after the physical shutdown, they were able to implement digital signatures within days. So that really opened up a lot of the eyes of bank CEOs to, yes, even though we're a bank, we can make decisions and implement them a lot faster than we're used to. You say you're not sure whether they'll be able to keep that up, you know, whether whether it will be a one-off due to these extreme conditions that we found ourselves in in 2020. But still, they have to know that the competition, you know, that the challenger banks, the non-banks, those deep-pocketed tech firms that want to offer banking-type services, those kinds of companies, they're all agile and they're all fast decision makers. Definitely. And you're hoping, I'm hoping, that the emergency situation that we faced in 2020 will lead to structural change going forward. And that structural change meaning that we will move faster and realize that if even if we didn't make the right decision, we can adjust and continue to move forward. And that's something that the banking industry has needed for a while to compete with the non-banks. The non-banks have always been much more agile in their decision-making and actions than the traditional banking industry. How much of a cultural change are we talking about to make those kinds of structural changes you mentioned? How much rethinking on how banks prioritize, how they make decisions, and how they address those core inefficiencies in their businesses? Are the events of 2020, the COVID-related events that drove the recession and all of that, is that perhaps a good impetus to taking on that change now, kind of like how we all do New Year's resolutions? I think that's a great point. What we need to do is look at the, the CEOs that told me throughout the year that one of the adjustments that they made in 2020 was faster decision making. I hope they take the time at year end, the beginning of this year, to take a look back and say, how were we able to do that and institutionalize that? Because it is a cultural change that needs to be made inside most organizations. They have had too many people studying too many issues for too long before they made a decision. And what they should have learned from 2020, because they did it, was that we can make decisions faster with fewer people and move forward. 
So banking is, of course, highly regulated. Banks are handling other people's money, people's lifetime accumulations of wealth. So, of course, care and caution and diligence are necessary. But do you think that maybe banks are too cautious? Maybe they've been too risk averse, focusing more on avoiding risk rather than managing it. I ask that especially in the light of the competition that's coming at them from so many different directions. I am not risk adverse. So I would answer your question, yes, the banks are too risk adverse. However, it is a business where boring can be beautiful. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the Hingham Savings Institution in Massachusetts is a good example of that, of a $2.5 billion organization that is in very few lines of business, and yet they've grown their book value at a 15% compound annual rate because they do very few things, they do them all well, and they have a 30% efficiency ratio. They're very low-cost operations. The thing I love about the banking industry is there's 5,000 institutions. There are so many different ways to win. And I would take more risk than the average banking organization. There's institutions like Hingham that takes less risk and does extremely well. You know, we've been talking about big decisions, and you also mentioned branches earlier. So what about the big decisions that have to be made about branches? What are you thinking about the role of the branch going forward and the decisions that banks need to make, the direction they have to take as the opportunity to reopen the branches on a large scale starts to avail itself later this year? Just today, I'm looking at a, a survey of bank customers and what do they use the branch for? What they use the branch for is still primarily transactions. They do fewer transactions in the branches. Since 2009, we have been reducing the number of branches in the United States after a 15-year period of significantly overbuilding the number of branches. I think every bank that I talked to in 2020 had closed at least a branch, if not multiple branches. And that's a trend that I see continuing. We still haven't resolved the issue about what's this physical distribution point going to actually do. And what most CEOs would tell me today is we want to sell more product out of our remaining physical distribution points, but it's not happening. Not only are transactions in branches going down, but sales in branches are going down and sales are going up from the digital channel. So I think it's a real issue that ultimately will be resolved by banks adopting a Charles Schwab-like model, which is small branches with advisors, not universal tellers, not tellers, but even a step above those two levels, advisors in those branches that are going to help customers with their financial needs. If we have 83,000 branches today, it's probably an environment where we have to eliminate another one-third of the branches in the United States to get to that sort of thin branch, let's say highly educated person operating in the branches. Tom, you said earlier that the banks did a great job with how they handled 2020, the COVID challenges, the recession challenges, PPP, and all of that. But when you look back, do you see any areas where maybe they could have done things better or could have done things differently? I think the industry will not get the credit in 2020 that it deserves for 
handling all of the situations that were thrown at it. When I look back, I am just more amazed at uh, what these companies did, and particularly the PPP program. Really don't get much credit at all for handling of that particular program. Some banks just had no experience in dealing with the SBA. They got up an application process in a matter of days to be able to handle the desires, not just the needs, but the desires of their uh, customers. So I would be hard-pressed to come up with a recommendation for what the industry could have done better in 2020, because I just think the industry did a terrific job. So last question, the voters have done their thing, the Electoral College has done its thing, and so now we're just waiting for the inauguration on January 20th. What are you expecting from the Biden administration and what do you think bankers should be expecting? Should they be concerned about the incoming president, who will remember, of course, for decades as a Delaware senator, was a good and effective friend to the financial industry? I think those days are gone, though. Uh, and not that I would be, I'm suggesting that it's going to be a terrible environment for the, the banking sector. But I do think it will be a top priority of the Biden administration to raise taxes. And they're likely to raise taxes on all corporations, not just banks. And they're likely to raise taxes on wealthy individuals. I think that's a a pretty clear priority of not just the president-elect, but the Congress. Then below that, we're going to get changes in all the regulatory agencies, or the uh, heads of these regulatory agencies. And um, I don't think there's any question that the regulatory environment will be more challenging under a President Biden than it was under a President Trump, but nothing that the the banking industry hasn't adjusted to in the past. So after the last recession with the Obama administration, the banking industry had to deal with massive increase in regulation, and I don't think anything like that will take place under the, the Biden administration, but there'll be more. So it's It's going to be a more difficult operating environment for the banks. It's going to be a higher tax environment for the banks, just like we've seen before. The well-managed companies will thrive in. The average-managed companies will be able to grow. And those that aren't well-managed will probably get consolidated out of the industry. Adapting to changing political conditions is an important skill for banks, no doubt. And there certainly will be changes coming. So Tom Brown, CEO at Second Curve Capital and editor of Tom Brown's Banking Weekly. Many thanks again for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. A few quick takeaways from our conversation with Tom Brown of Second Curve Capital. First, business-wise, Tom predicts 2021 will get off to a slow start for the financials, a continuation of last year's COVID-related conditions, meaning soft loan demand and margin pressures, combined with seasonal weakness. But in the second half of the year, as vaccine protections take hold, he sees the economy picking up steam. He envisions higher loan demand and a steeper yield curve that generates more interest income for banks and credit unions. And there were some key lessons for institutions to carry forward from 2020 into this year. Tom says he expects an emphasis on personalizing the customer experience as the shift from in-person to digital banking continues. 
Another 2020 takeaway is the realization that big decisions can be made and implemented much faster than has been their past custom. This may help banks with their future competitive positioning. And finally, among those big decisions to be made, of course, is what to do with branches as more transactions migrate to digital channels. In Tom's view, the number of branches needs to be cut back by as much as a third, and their role changed to focus primarily on offering advisory services. But for this approach to work, he says, branch staff will have to be upskilled to handle the more complex customer needs. Thank you for being with us for this week's BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of BAI. Please come back and join us next week for another insightful conversation on a theme important to the financial services industry.